I'm Craig James, and this is Big Audacious Idea, the show about thinking big and asking the greatest questions of the human experience. During our conversations, we ponder the future and endeavor to foster abundant thinking during times of uncertainty. We also investigate new technologies, visit the very idea of an idea, explore leadership concepts, ponder the reality in our society, and much, much more. Welcome to the show. Can stink bugs be entrepreneurs? To find out, listen in. Entrepreneurship, at its core, is about seeing opportunity, taking risk, and seizing that opportunity and risk to create value. Now, often we think of the concept of entrepreneurship as a noun. Well, that's one conversation, but the concept of being entrepreneurial is about an attitude, a mindset, a way of being. It doesn't have to be about a startup or a business venture. It's more about a way of thinking, a way of being, and a way of acting. Ideas are brought to life by entrepreneurs, and they're brought truly to life when they're turned into reality and implemented. Grant Marquit has spent 25 years in the world of entrepreneurship, including with Enterprise Development Inc. in Cleveland, Ohio. Before that, he was with an environmental and peace organization that worked on building bridges between the environment and businesses and fostering that connection to drive positive change and bring forth broad-based value. Grant is currently working with the Entrepreneur's Edge. Edge is a nonprofit organization that serves mid-market companies. His role is to produce, shape, and deliver educational experiences for leaders through programs that drive a focus on strategy, leadership, and innovation. Grant, always good to hear your voice. Thank you. What the heck do we talk about? Well, what did we talk about before that seemed so interesting at the time? That's right. We were talking about being as not socially distant, socially intimate. Right. And even so, the technology was letting us go almost like get a physical kind of sensation out of it, too. You know, it's something, isn't it? When we, it is when we think about this stuff, we have a chance to think about basic definitions, right? What is connection? What is distant? What is social? What is intimacy? You know, what's physical? What's virtual? I mean, that's really cool. I've noticed that before, too, where if I get really close to the speaker or microphone on my iPhone, you actually feel... Yeah, you feel the, the breath. Right. And that's weird. Yeah, if you feel that right next to your face, if you hold your iPhone next to your face and you can feel the person talking... I mean, it's even more connected and intimate than if you were in a conference room talking to each other in many ways. Let me put it this way. I remember a million years ago when the idea of an attachment to an email was so bizarre. Leaders in, tech, in IT and companies were like, nah, that'll never happen. Impossible. And, you know, now we take it for granted that we, we can ship electronic versions of documents, conversations like this, 3D printing. Imagine if we could, like, telepresent ourselves physically somewhere. Oh, it's right there. So all you got to do is basically take a 3D picture of yourself, digitize it. It's already digitized. And then just send it away and project it wherever you want. I mean, doesn't it seem like that that's like the logical next step? I think so. And I read something, I forget where, but they were talking about now we're getting to the point with, you know, super duper quantum computing and this kind of stuff that we could truly replicate like every neuron, every synapse, every memory in a big computer file, like all your memories could be stored 
And imagine if you could then email your memories or implant them in somebody else, or you could tap someone else's memory. And it's really fascinating to go there, but it sort of blows your mind because one of the things I'm fascinated with is if, let's say you could do a digital copy of you, and then you're both here and there, literally, because the other you is somewhere else. Like, which you is the real you? And how would you know? <laughs> what will it be like? We're in the middle of this coronavirus thing. And as we we're saying earlier, it's, I don't care what anyone says. You can't help but think about it. You know, no one alive has seen anything quite like this economically as well. So it's an interesting time. And so what we're talking about, back to focus, is, you know, you're all about entrepreneurship. I'm an entrepreneur. I was thinking, gee, what, what could we discuss when it relates to entrepreneurship now, you know, in this time? And as I was pondering that, Grant, I was thinking about the fact that there's the notion of the noun entrepreneur or entrepreneurship, or we use the word entrepreneurial, mm -hmm. but, you know, the act of entrepreneuring, like a verb, very rarely do I, do I think or do I hear of entrepreneuring in, in that active sense. Yeah, I, we usually just say being entrepreneurial, but they're in the act of being an entrepreneur, entrepreneuring. All right. You could have that word. So with that, I like adding words, creating new words. I was wondering what your perspectives were on, you know, like it's always been or different. You know, you've been thinking quite a bit about some themes around things that relate to entrepreneurship, how we maybe change how we live, simplification and personal shopping and some of the stuff. So what goes on in your mind when you think about entrepreneurship right now? I think about stink bugs. When I think about entrepreneurship, there was just a stink bug over there. So it's like, that's the hidden opportunity right here. What do I do this to create value? Seizing the opportunity of the stink bug in the house. So we always thought about it is seizing an opportunity. You see an opportunity, you take the opportunity in exchange for some reward. So people that I've at least always considered entrepreneurs, it's people that have that skill set of recognizing that there is an opportunity right there. And if I act quickly, then there will be some reward. And it, often the opportunity is not obvious to other people. That's where that notion of risk comes in. It seems like, you know, who would do that? Why would you be a stink bug now? come in somebody's house. I mean, maybe that stink bug was an entrepreneur of, of sorts and just going along for the ride. And his friend said, hey, don't do that. <laughs> you no, they're independent though, I guess. You stay in the thing, whatever a stink bug thing is, you guys stay over there. I'm headed into this huge structure. I don't know what I'm going to find. See you later. I'll let you know. Is that this rowdy stink bug? <laughs> Imagine what that stink bug's thinking about you. Anyway, off the stink bugs onto entrepreneurship. Do you think then, I think I heard you saying, in many ways that entrepreneurs are, are able to see things other people don't see. They do tend to see patterns faster than other people. And they see patterns that other people simply can't see. So often it's hard for people to understand them. They think that other people see those patterns too. A lot of people don't quite see it that way. So they appear to be taking a greater risk than they are because they see the patterns. If you were to guess, is there something about them that gives them that skill to see those things that others don't? Is there something about how they think? Seems like there is. Like, for example, the ability to see patterns. That's a thing about them that's a little different than a lot of people. It makes a difference if they're a successful entrepreneur or not. The other skills, like the ability to sell and convince and persuade, 
let's say someone's a CEO of a company. They were rising through the ranks and they're very successful. They make a lot of money. Their leadership style is one of seeing patterns that maybe others don't see. They're able to persuade and sell and make deals happen. Does that mean they're an entrepreneur? That's a good question. I think that entrepreneurs have another kind of drive to them. They really like control. So somebody could be behaving sort of entrepreneurially, which means at the core, they seize an opportunity, they take a risk at some reward. That's the essence of entrepreneurship right there. But they often have this need for control as well. The best entrepreneurs learn how to give up control, but many, many of them have this need to know what it looks like all around and only they see the pattern. So how could anybody else possibly know? And those people are behaving entrepreneurially too, but their likelihood of failure is maybe higher. Given the time we're in, when timelines and paths to innovation and all the discussion with the coronavirus on how now us humans, we either kind of suffer or we rise to the occasion. And one of the themes that I've been working on is this notion of adaptation and that whether an entrepreneur or a foot soldier in a company or an artist, things are happening faster than fast and the rules are changing. I wondered what your thoughts are. If you were to think of the word adaptation or adaptive and entrepreneur in the same sentence of some sort? What comes to your mind? So either you can create the adaptation, you can kind of force the change, or you could adjust to the change. In this case, change is happening to all of us rapidly. And whenever there's that opportunity, things are different from before, that means you have to adapt. And if you don't, then you will suffer. When you asked me before about this theme, adaptability, for some reason, I thought of followship, not leadership, kind of the opposite of entrepreneurship. I think that great change creates opportunities for many entrepreneurs, and it becomes challenging in that case to get people to work with the entrepreneur. Because if everybody's an entrepreneur, what kind of team is there going to be? An entrepreneur can't make the great change happen all by themselves. Like I said before, they have to learn how to give up control. How do they kind of do that? And that's where the real adaptability comes in. I think in the olden days, you could be a power figure and kind of move things from here to there. And you did it by holding your cards close. These days, I think that there's a tendency more towards transparency and our ability to cooperate and collaborate is so much more vital than maybe even 10, 15 years ago of pure competition. It's not to say that competition doesn't have its purpose. What's interesting about what you said, Grant, I read some things in between your insights there. And one is the distinction between the idea of entrepreneur or entrepreneuring and creating and operating. And I think that's what I'm hearing you saying here is perhaps a component to adapting, especially now, is the ability to have those distinctions. And if the entrepreneur isn't able to operate or isn't willing to operate, to be able to inspire others to follow, execute upon their vision. Yeah, kind of like the ability to manifest, to cause an idea to spread, 
I think we talked about that once upon a time about the relationship between entrepreneurship and innovation. On the one hand, you could just create something, you can invent something. And there it is. Nobody buys it. The idea doesn't get out. It could be a brilliant idea, but nobody sees it. It does not replicate. Somewhere in there of the value creation has to be this idea that the idea replicates, spreads somehow. I don't want to say it spreads like a virus, but that is a very good metaphor for how things can spread. We use that all the time. It spreads virally. When I think of an idea, I've had conversations about what is an idea. That's a discussion all its own. It's a fascinating thing to investigate because we use the term all the time, but what operationally defines what an idea is? You know, making a statement is different than an idea. This is the table isn't really an idea. It's just a statement of fact. What makes the magic of an idea is an interesting topic all its own. What I really am fascinated by, Grant, is when you took me through in my mind's eye, I'm picturing the spread of an idea, which is a thought process that if, let's say, one person spreads it to 10 other people, now we've got you know, 10 or 11 people who with an idea, but it's still not a tangible thing brought to reality. So one of the things I'm curious to understand is from your perspective, when idea turns innovation to implementation, if we were to define that an idea is a thought process, however, we define what an idea is versus a statement. So I have an idea, let's wash a car. We could have discussions. Well, let's talk about that with 10 other people. And then suddenly we all are discussing the idea of washing a car, but we still haven't washed a car. Nothing's happened. Got it. So that can even be tenfold from that. So now 100 people or 1,000 people are talking about washing a car, but we still haven't implemented anything. So this has been driving me crazy okay. here, Craig, is that so people talk about, hey, we have this opportunity to make everything better. And if we could all just get along and we have this great life and our children are going to be healthy and we're going to pay attention to our loved ones, aren't we going to do all that? And we're going to be outside and everybody's going to have enough and plenty. It's the talk versus the manifestation. That's maybe what, what you mean by operationalization, Correct. turning it into a, a statement. It's not just an idea of a table, it is a table. This is not just talk about a great idea that spreads, whether it's washing your car. This is actually, people are going to get out there and wash their cars because it's a good idea. Car sanitation, I guess. <laughs> you, don't want, you don't want a sick car. You don't want a sick car. You want a healthy car. <laughs> and so one might say, what the heck does that have to do with entrepreneurship? I think what's so fascinating about entrepreneurship is it is characterized by idea people, visionary, dot connecting, pattern seeing, special people. But then the, the real magic is when it becomes a real business or venture or institution that manifests into something that is a real innovation that changes lives. And so that's what fascinates me is that progression from one to the other. And can the entrepreneur do that or do they have to pass a baton to followers that can? Before I was suggesting that another one of these skills that successful entrepreneurs must have is the ability to sell. By the way, I give credit to Kirk Nicewander, one of my colleagues, for pointing that out to me, is that if you have the idea, but you do not have the ability to sell the idea, to communicate what that value proposition is, you're not going anywhere. Successful entrepreneurs have that ability to sell, and usually they have it not just because of great communication skills, but also because of the knowledge that they have in their particular industry, they're not going to be blindsided by something else. So they know whatever industry they're messing around with certainly helps. 
So yeah, so how does that idea turn into a reality? It's a combination of persuasion and you got to have a teammate. You got to have other people that can, all right, somebody's got to actually fold the paper or build the table or get that stink bug off of that box because the entrepreneur's sitting here driving the ship. I'm Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar Series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast. So it's interesting to hear that, Grant, because when you think about the experience of being an entrepreneur, you do it, sure, perhaps to create value, as you described, but at the same time, it's a visceral thing to be an entrepreneur, to create and imagine and invent, which is different than operate and maintain. So thanks for exploring some of these definitions of what this word means. When we think about big audacious ideas or the big questions of life. And on the show, we've talked about what is time, what is life, what is death? Well, sometimes we overlook things that terms we use every single day, including entrepreneurship and grounding ourselves and understanding it better, not only helps us understand a concept, but think differently about the future. And we're in an amazing time right now in history. So it'd be interesting. Let's explore a little bit about what's big idea-ish about entrepreneurship as we look to the future. What's different now than it might've been a couple of years ago? There's been kind of a pushing down of power. I think it used to be that the industrial heroes kind of did the, you've heard this term before, command and control. They're the ones with the ideas and the smarts. They tell their employees to go do it, go execute, and they sell whatever product or service that is to customers. Now, because of things like the internet, um, where people have a lot more access to information, it's kind of leveled that playing field a little bit. So the ideas now flow maybe the other way from the consumer through the employees back to the owner class. It's kind of like the great democratization of our society. It's really fascinating. So that way, consumers end up being co-creators in the design process. The old entrepreneur, the one who is calling the shots, ends up being someone who supports the consumer and is constantly looking back towards that consumer for opportunities to create new value. And you see that across the board, products and services and so forth. Lots and lots of opportunities right there. And so therefore, they're kind of driven to create more value, not only for themselves, but for their employees and for the consumers and even further out towards the communities in which they operate. To me, that's one of the most fascinating things to see over the last 20 years or so. 
So it's interesting that, you know, we get to be alive at this time and there's an incredible convergence and integration happening, or at least is possible, where these separate domains are becoming blurred, home life, work life, day and night, all now are becoming mushy. A matter of fact, uh, the World Economic Forum put out a, a little article on the concept of entrepreneurship as we look to the future, whether as listening to this, we're amidst the pandemic or past it, hopefully, that the perception of entrepreneurship will shift. And the past perception was less democratized. It was an elite few, the happy few that have the means to start a business. And now through need, a lot of people are becoming entrepreneurs by default. And therefore there's a democratization and a more, I guess, accessible concept versus entrepreneurs are these people over here. And you know what, I'm seeing it more and more in the corporate realm where more employees are being asked to think and behave like entrepreneurs. They're being asked to identify opportunities to create value inside the organization, outside the organization, whether it's with their supplier networks or with their customers, and really being asked to think like a business leader, no matter where they are in an organization pretty fascinating. I would never have thought that somebody who is, let's say, an HR manager in a company is behaving entrepreneurially, but they're competing for talent. They're being forced to pay more attention to company culture and pleasing the employee as a customer. So how are they creating value for their customers? And so therefore, they have to look at things like branding and making sure those employees are comfortable and that they're developing. And it's no longer just do what I tell you to do. It's how can we help you? How can we make it so our employees' lives are better? Because frankly, when the employees' lives are better, the company does better. When they're able to make lives better for their customers, the company does better. It's no longer, I win, you lose. It's how do we both win and in fact, grow the value pie, as they say. So I'm hearing there's the notion of integratedness and interdependence now where, and there's a lot of movement, you're right. I think it was big talk a few years back. You know, the employee is the customer essentially. And if you serve your employees, then the employees will serve the customer. Not with bad intention, but I don't think it had the teeth that it has now because I think it's real and it's necessary for success. Look at the whole like gig economy thing. And even in these uh, days of the pandemic where more people are working from home and using interfaces like we're using right now, that interconnectedness, that blurriness, it's just coming right to the forefront all over the place. And I think never before have employees and customers have as much power as they have today. How about this conversation? And let's say the few minutes we have left, if there's something that we could imagine a listener here would be able to use, if we were to make a call to action that right now during this time, I don't like the word crisis, but we're in a global pandemic with economic impact. And there are either current entrepreneurs out there or maybe entrepreneurs. Actually, I'm most interested in the maybe entrepreneurs that perhaps this is the catalytic moment to 
take a risk to be the stink bug that ventures out into the big scary house? What would you say if you could inspire someone to be a stink bug, a bold stink bug? There's a good chance that other people also have whatever idea that you have, that anybody has. You find who those people are and just find a partner or two or three, and if you could handle more, start doing experiments with other people. Use the tools that are around right now, and that's where I think some of these opportunities are, is in distributed leadership, distributed ledger leadership. How's that? A little block club chain. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) this is a tool that people did not have 10 years ago. And these tools of technology that are right in front of us, we're using them right now to be able to share great information and not just the information to say, hey, I need you to come by because I need design help on this and I don't need to drive across country. Just do it. In fact, I'll help you. I could draw it with my finger on this laptop over here and here we go. I mean, the tools at people's disposal right now are incredible find those people and there's more of them and more of them and more of them keep your sense of humor too because you got to be able to sell this is big audacious idea i'm craig james your host we've been listening to grant markwood grant thanks for being on the show thank you so much this has been a real joy craig as it always is i appreciate you entrepreneurs like control but the best ones can let go of some of that control and empower others. They help followers be entrepreneurial yet operational at the same time. Boy, have things changed and are changing. And while entrepreneurs can sometimes become fixated on that idea or that pattern they see and have a hard time letting go of it, but well, today, sometimes during this massive change, the best entrepreneurs are also able to be adaptive and flexible. Entrepreneurship and community building need not be mutually exclusive. Experiment. Leverage the amazing tools we have at our fingertips now. Take the risk. Be an entrepreneur. You've been listening to Big Audacious Idea, and I'm Craig James, your host. Let us know what you think about today's chat with Grant by tweeting me at cjamescatstrat. And if you enjoyed today's conversation, please rate and review us in your favorite podcast app. We appreciate it. Big Audacious Idea is a production of Evergreen Podcasts. To learn more about our podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Special thanks to our producer and audio engineer, William Pritz, production director, Bridget Coyne, and of course, my co-executive producer, Michael DeAloya. Thanks for listening. Until next time, don't just think audacious, be audacious. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily. 
This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.